0: Well, I would tell you this. I am number one, first and foremost, I am a proponent of Thanksgiving because it seems like it got lost. Because they put Christmas stuff out in July, and we need to bring back Thanksgiving, okay? Make Thanksgiving great again, okay? That's what I'm saying. And so so here's what I here's what I need you to know. We're gonna have we're gonna talk about thankfulness because here's the thing, it's so funny. We leave thankfulness aside so we can so we can talk about gimme 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 at Christmas time. And I want to just encourage us all to not forget that, thanks, that Christmas is to be full of giving thanks. And so I, I, want to say, I want to start off by saying I'm thankful for some people. I'm thankful for our worship team that leads us week in and week out. I'm thankful for those guys in the back in the booth because you don't see them. And the only time you notice them Is when something goes haywire, and you know what I tell you? It's usually not their fault. Most of the time it's our speakers or the radio signal or me not turning something on right. They've got it going on, so we're thankful for them. I want you to notice this as well. These decorations didn't just happen. If you if you were one of the ladies involved in these decorations, would you raise your hand for a minute? Thank you very much. You would not want me decorating for Christmas. It would be the Charlie Brown Christmas tree with the one, well, some of you don't have any reference point for Charlie Brown, but that's all right. There's a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful also for this and some things you may not know. We have a food ministry that goes on at this church. There's a lot of people, especially Sharon and Roy and many, many others who are very much involved in making that happen. We are going to have another opportunity to do this, thankfully, um, to collect essential items, okay, Um, coming up for that. That's going to be, we're going to collect toilet paper, paper towels, laundry detergent, disc detergent, fabric softener, toiletries for men, women, and children, soap, body wash, deodorant, razors, shampoo and conditioners, toothpaste, and brushes. If you see Sharon, I bet you got a list made. Sharon, raise your hand right here. Everybody see Sharon. See her right there? If you want to help us with this, we're going to collect it all by December the 16th, and it's going to be a great ministry. We're going to get together. We feed about, like, monthly. we feed about 30 families. And I'm just thankful that we have that ministry here. And I'm thankful that we can all participate in that. So I just want you to know, I'm very thankful. And there's this story in Luke 17 about 10 people who are healed lepers, and I want to. I want to walk through this today, so that hopefully we can leave with a heart that's full of thanksgiving—not turkey, not tryptophan, not stuffing, not the holiday, but really a, a sense of being thankful in our hearts. Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, and it'll be on the screen for you if you don't have your your, your Bible. Says this: On the way to Jerusalem, he Jesus was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village, and he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, there's a lot going on. Jesus is taking kind of a a weird way to get to where he is going. He is kind of, you know some people that like to take the roads less traveled. The ones who are like, oh, if we get off here, we can take the back roads and see all the foliage or whatever. And Most of us, if you're not like that, you know what you want to do. You want to go on the interstate so you can go as fast as you can. Well, Jesus, following God's plan, is going through Samaria to get where He is going. So He has taken a a a route that is outside of the normal route, and He shows up at this place and He runs into ten lepers. Okay, no, we got I know we got kids in here today, and you know one of the things that helps kids remember things is repetition. And you know what? All of you are kids at heart, right? I believe that. So here's the thing: I'm going to say a word, and I want I want you to repeat it after me. I'm going to say leprosy. So you say, so now you know what this story is about. Okay. At first. So it's about leprosy. leprosy. Perfect. All right. So now, you know, what are we talk about? Leprosy. Now leprosy is, now you don't have to say that every time I say it. Okay. Cause it's going to get weird. So leprosy is is a skin disease and it's described as many things in the Bible, okay? And it's not necessarily the, the thing we think of as leprosy, although that could be referred to in these cases. But here's the thing, any type of skin ailment, and if you look in the book of Leviticus, there is a lot of skin ailments described. If you had these things, you became ceremonially unclean, which you couldn't go and worship, you couldn't stay in the village. And if you found leprosy, you'd have to go out and live ostracized from the rest of society because if anyone touched you or lived in your house, they would also become ceremonially unclean. Couldn't go to worship. and couldn't do a lot of things. And so imagine if you will, this, you wake up one morning and you look on your arm and you're like, I got a rash. What will we do? You call the doctor doctor either will call you in something or show up and you put the little stuff on and you maybe cover it over and you're good. Okay. Unless you are a Jew at this time period. And you know what you have to do? You would have to leave your house. You'd have to live out in a leper colony until such time as that skin ailment went away. And if it didn't go away, then you would have to live on the outskirts of the city with all the other people who have a skin ailment. And anytime you came up to somebody, you know what you'd have to yell if they tried to approach you? Unclean! Because note this. Look in the text. As he entered a village, Jesus, he was met by ten lepers. Now notice this: they stood at a distance and they lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're at such a, a, a good distance from him, they're having to yell. Jesus, have mercy on us. You know why I can't get close? Because to get close. You know when somebody walks up to you and you just shake their hand, they're like, oh, you may not want to do that. Oh, I, got, oh, I got the flu oh, and bronchitis and oh, some contagious thing. My doctor doesn't know what it is. Oh, And you're like, Oh, well, you just hugged. Why? You need to, maybe if we instituted this, there would be less diseases. Like you imagine a kid at school when they kind a cold, you put a, like something around his neck that said unclean, and they had to ring a bell and yell unclean as they walk through the hall. You got a cold and somebody comes up to you, I'm clean! You're welcome. No babies cried. We were good, all right? I've been doing that lately. you think about the situation, these people, just just imagine you're in their situation for a moment. You cannot go home. There's no FaceTime. There's no cell phones. You really can't courier anything from message to message because you can't get that close to people. You are now, your life, as you know, it is over because you have contracted this ailment. And these men have become in fellowship with one another because each of them has leprosy and they can, they can live in close proximity to each other. And they run into Jesus and they have this uncleanliness on them. They have this leprosy, whatever form it has taken. And they call out to him and said, have mercy on us, which is a normal, and this time it's a normal way to say, hey, help me. And they see Jesus as someone who could help them with their problem, with this uncleanliness, this, this thing that has separated them from the rest of the community. And so just think about this. If you woke up and you had, like, let's say my man Mitch over here, he woke up and he's got a rash. I'm not saying Mitch has a rash, everybody. But if Mitch has a rash and he's got to go, he's got to leave home, he can't go to work. He's got to stay on the outskirts of Hartsville. Maybe he's living in Lambtech Building over there because he can't live with the rest of society. And he's got to set up shop until that goes away. He can't see the kids. Can't see his wife. Can't see the grandkids. Can't see anybody. Imagine that. Now, some of you are thinking that might be a nice vacation. Can I? Can I? Can I get a rash? Okay. But imagine this ongoing, going on and on, and that is what has happened to these men. I want to be clear, because that is the context of what Jesus is walking into. And then we go and pick up in verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests... And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, here's the thing about the book of Leviticus says, if you have this uncleanliness, especially a leprosy type situation, a skin ailment, the way that you were supposed to be cleansed was to make a sacrifice and then go show yourself to the priest. And the priest's job, was kind of they kind of like had a lot of things going on. They had a little dermatology practice going on and they would have to look you over and be like, all right, you're clean. You did the stuff you needed to do to be cleansed. Now you can reenter society, and that kind of stuff. And so Jesus just tells these guys, go Show yourself to the priest. Now, they can still see the spots, but as they go, it becomes evident to them that they were cleansed, which is just another time Jesus is showing this. We receive God's grace not by works, but through faith. You see that? Faith in his goodness and his grace. And so faith is expressed here because these guys, they don't always like Jesus, are you Sure. Are you sure this is how it's going to be? Because if you might go somewhere, we can't find you. No, they listen. They believe they called out to him. They believe and they walk. And as they are walking, what's happened? They're being cleansed. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God in a loud voice. One guy goes, the rash, the spots, the leprosy has gone. And he turned back and he started praising God in a loud voice. And verse 16 says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan was half Jewish and half Canaanite, half of that part of the world. To the Jew, they were thought of not as inside the people of God, but outside the people of God. He was known as a foreigner. The other ones, the the inclination here, because they're going to the priest, the inclination, implied thing is that they're all jewish and they got this one samaritan who's come back and he's a foreigner so the guys who are supposed to know all of the stuff who were part of the jewish community who are supposed to know about god from the old testament scriptures as they would call it the torah and we would know it as the old testament they forget to give praise to god and thanks to jesus but this one man who's a foreigner turns in and he gives thanks to jesus and Jesus, in his normal way of teaching, begins to ask some questions, really loaded questions. It's like when you were a teenager or you're dealing with a teenager and you say, where were you? You usually know where they were and you're just trying to see if they will confess. <laughs> Sorry, teenagers, it's just true. Or like when your boss asks you a question, you're like, I don't know. Okay, I mean that, there's a loaded question. Jesus is going somewhere with it. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? What are, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And, and he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus points out something, that there were, how many? Ten lepers who were healed. Their faith, they received God's grace of healing through faith. However, only one of them, who was a foreigner, comes back and gives praise to God and thanks Jesus. Jesus points it out, and he said that there, weren't there ten? And only one stayed to give thanks? And the point of this whole story is to show the human heart really and our lack of thanksgiving that often happens in our life. We are, we are oftentimes the, t- the nine and not the one. So here's the, here's the goal. We talked about leprosy and y'all know what this story is about. I want you to, I'm gonna give you a phrase and I want you to repeat it after in just a second. Be be the one, not the nine. Be the one, not the nine. Let's try that. Be the one, not the nine. Be the one, not the nine. Because the one comes back and gives thanks, as you should. The nine, they are enamored with the gift and forget about the giver. Now, I want you to get this, though. Now, we are going to throw some shade, and so does Jesus at the nine. But I want you to think about their situation for a minute. They, we don't know how long they have been outside of society. We don't know how long they have been away from their family. We don't know how long. Maybe their wife is at home with like seven kids, and they're out there leprosy, can't do anything. And they're like, I don't know what's left of the house, okay? I don't know. In that time, I don't know where the goats are. I mean, I don't know what's happening. I can be, go back and I can worship with people. I can, I can get my business back going. My trade can go on my family. Now there was no welfare system to think of. There was some in Israel, but really it was difficult. So if if the man in the house was out, there would be not a lot of income coming in. And so you can imagine their anxiety to get back to the house and their joy to see their family. If you ever want to have a good time, Go to an airport. Don't be creepy, okay, when you go to the airport. Hopefully you have somebody there to pick up. And sit there at the place where people come out of the gate and meet their loved ones. First off, if you go to Nashville, nobody ever walks fast enough to get out of there, and there's a, a, an alarm that goes off the whole time that you're sitting there every five minutes. Somebody's like, why is the alarm going off? Because they did not move fast enough in the greeting zone, okay? And so the alarm goes off, and it's so it's so much fun to watch people go, what is the alarm for? Cause, and it, I know. I'm, I, I know it's weird, but it's awesome to watch, okay, just to see people do this type of thing. And then you, but what's really fun is to see the reunions, People hadn't seen each other in a while, and they run, and they give each other a hug, and you kind of try to place together the details of what's happening. It's great. There's a coffee shop right there. It's fun, all right? Go do that. Don't be creepy, but go do that sometime. But you think about that. This, these folks are going back and seeing their family and hadn't seen them for some period of time, maybe a long period of time. And so they are enamored with the fact of what the gift is bringing this healing through faith in Jesus, but in their excitement over the gift, they have forgotten the giver. And Jesus in his question points out how the majority of the time, we are the nine and not the one. But we should be the one and not the nine. And I want you to see it this way. The end of the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. I don't know if you guys wake up and watch this. It's the, there's nothing else on on Thanksgiving morning except for football's coming. Okay? That's what the Macy's Parade. When Santa shows up at the end of the parade, you know football is nigh. Okay? All right. So that's what happens. The end of it is it's, it's signifying the end of the Thanksgiving season, the beginning of the Christmas season. And then what happens right after Thanksgiving? Now it's not even after Thanksgiving. That's on Thanksgiving night. Black Friday comes. And listen, I like stuff. But if you love stuff and you think about stuff more than you think about other things, you can really miss the boat, and that can be idolatry in your life. And I want you to know this, kids. I know you've been writing Christmas lists, and you've been thinking about Christmas lists, and they've been mailing you Christmas stuff, and you've been going online. There's all these videos on YouTube where you can watch other kids play with toys. I know it's weird, but kids do that now. I know kids even watch the videos about kids playing with toys, and they don't, and their toys are sitting right there. It's getting weird. Okay, that's just the YouTube life that's happening right now. Kids, I mean, I'm telling you the truth, that is how it is. And so you got these things, and there's the wish list, and you think about. It. I remember when I was a kid, and I knew Christmas was coming, and I knew that part of my family opens presents on Christmas Eve, and we always had to eat before the presents, and I ate in two seconds. And then all the kids are like going, hey, this is the time you're done? You're done eating? Because I want some stuff, okay? And then initially, and then they're eating so slow. It's like time stood still. It's like I'm eating one piece of crumb of this cake at a time. And you're sitting over like, no. And that feeling wells up in you of I want, I want this, I want this. And then Christmas Eve night comes. Or Christmas Eve comes, and then the next day, and your parents are trying to get you to go to sleep at 8 o'clock. And you're like, I can't sleep. Stop. Okay. Print it. It's there, and we all know the feeling. It changes a little bit when you get to an adult, but just a little. It's usually just different toys. That's like those car commercials. Who's buying people a car for Christmas? I'd be so mad. I'd be like, wait, you didn't check the family budget? We don't got a Mercedes in the budget? Think about this longing, this desire. It's full in this season and there's a, a, a part of it that's fine and okay and good to give gifts. And it's nice to celebrate the good things that God has given us. But if we get enamored with the gift more than the giver, then we have missed out. And also the gifts are shallow without the giver. It's so true. Because think about this. If you're an adult in here, What did you get for Christmas when you were eight years old? Most of you, unless you have a photographic memory, have no idea. But at the time, it meant a lot. And if you ever bought stuff for your kid and watched him play with the box, and you're like, I just spent what? And you're playing with cardboard? you realize that there's an emptiness in a gift without acknowledgement of the giver and ultimately the one who, from whom all blessings flow. That's Some people, myself included, I, I have been known over the years as a guy who is full of ha- ba humbug when it comes to Christmas. I know, pray for me. I know some of you are like, Christmas, okay? you're going, When you go to Gatlinburg... You go to that Christmas store immediately, like the 24-7 Christmas store, for some, that's their dream. For me, I need Prozac, okay, to like approach it. It's, I, it just makes me physically ill. Now, I think sometimes the re- reason I get those feelings and not all of them are good is because I know when Christmas comes and we do all this buildup, and then after it's over, you're sitting there The paper's thrown out. The gifts have been given. The kids have moved on from the excitement to now they're playing out in the yard with football and probably not even the stuff you got them. And there's just kind of a hollowness to it when it's just that. And even our movies are recognizing the hollowness. Not fully, not to their fullest regard, but they're recognizing it. Like the Grinch who stole Christmas, recognizing the folly of just stuff, and Jesus points these points out that there was a tendency in all of us to focus on the gift over the giver. But He is calling us to remember the giver because it's in the giver and our finding our hope and our joy in Him, the one who gives the good gift, that we find true satisfaction. And something that it can get hollow can have great meaning and depth. And I want you to note this. The nine who left, we get by implication, are Jewish. So they are well acquainted with religious things and even the scriptures. And note this. It's the one who was not as well acquainted, the foreigner, who comes back and gives thanks. And I want to give, you, give me and you this warning. familiarity, Familiarity is an enemy to thanksgiving. Familiarity is an enemy to Thanksgiving. Want, want to know how I know this? I've been married for almost 15 years. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you tend to think about your spouse's faults more than you do their virtues. If that's you and you do the opposite, God bless you, but usually you're thinking about. I just I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into my wife's mind for a minute. I know it's a, I know that's crazy, but I know how she feels. She's told me how she feels. When I walk in the house, I'm like, "Oh, throw my shoe over here! I eat something. Drop it on the ground." I'm like a caveman. Okay. She hates that. Hate. <laughs> I heard it. I heard an amen. She hates it. From her core up. Okay? She, I'm, I might get in trouble. We didn't discuss this. She has no financial sense at all. It's just the truth. And I'm like, she's at the grocery store. Da, 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 da. I'm like, we get paid next week. No, it's okay. I don't know that. Partly it's my fault. Also, important things like her wallet, keys, and phone. She doesn't know where they are. I'll go back. She's got a heart. I don't. Most of the time, I am. I'm not sensitive whatsoever. I try. Boy, I'm not sensitive. My favorite thing used to be when she would complain about something, I'd be like, call the ambulance." I, I would say, oh, oh, would you like some, some material, building materials so you can build a bridge and get over it? Um, not good. There you go. In some of our more difficult times in marriage, and I would be honest with you, I'm so thankful to be married to her. <laughs> she has to put up with way more <laughs> than you know. In our most difficult times in marriage, I can look back and say our, our most difficult times were when we were focusing on each other's faults and not the grace of God in each other's lives, and how much she means and how much good she does and how her heart is a blessing and how she doesn't think about material things nearly as much as i can and i'm thankful for her in the situations and i found out more times than not that familiarity can breed unthankfulness because you're taking for granted all the gifts that you have and we in our pursuit of more we forget to be content with what we have and what does Paul say there's much gain with godliness with contentment? And the pursuit of things will tire us out, and at the end, it's an empty goal. It's like the prophets would say it's like a broken cistern. The more you pour into it, the more that pours out. Nothing is there. And so I want to call us, and myself included, to be reminded with Jesus were there not who were healed? Nine are gone, but one came back to give joy. One came back to give thanks. Jesus, in pointing that out, is saying, be the one, not the nine. Be the one and not the nine. And I would ask you and implore you and implore myself that we would rise up with a sense of thanksgiving. And the greatest place of thanksgiving to start is at the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear. I don't deserve God's grace, and neither do you. That's why it's grace. We deserve judgment for our sins. And if you're honest, you're far more sinful than you like to project. So am I. We have no hope apart from God being good to us and gracious to us. And at the cross of Jesus Christ, he provides a way for sins to be atoned for, for those who are far off to come near and have a relationship with God and know eternal life. What a great thing. And that should be the greatest thanksgiving that we have. And then it should spill over to everything else that we now see the world through a cross-centered, God-centered way, and we see every blessing and every gift is coming from him. And we strive at every point to be awakened yet again to our need and our thanksgiving. And so I wanna encourage you this, and here's how we're gonna end. Kids, I gave you some pieces of paper. Adults, you might not have some. I want everybody to think about three things that they're thankful for. And I want you to write them down somewhere. And there's the tendency to just go food and water and shelter, and those are actually really big deals because a lot of people in the world don't have that. In fact, probably the majority of the world struggles with that. Well, man, we have so much to be thankful for. And before we go more, let's be thankful for what we have. And then mostly come and be thankful for Christ and his cross. Now, here's how we're going to wrap it up today. I'm really thankful because uh, we get to baptize Luke Johnson today. So, Luke, if you come on up here. The baptism is a, uh, it's a symbol Of what Christ has done. I want to tell you his story before I get you into the cold waters. You come right over here. Uh, This is Luke. He's not, he's a little bit nervous about being up here, but he's all good. All right. He's a good guy. Let me tell you something. We had the honor about a year ago to this day, baptizing his brother Colby. If you notice the kid that looks exactly like him. Okay. Almost exactly like him. That's his twin brother. Okay. You're not seeing double. You don't need to go see a neurologist. Um, that's what's going on. Uh, at camp this year, um, and Colby's been involved with our youth ministry. Um, and uh, camp this year, he started asking some, some real serious questions. And we, Mitch and I got a chance to sit down in the room with him. Our, the power went out um, at, at camp. And so we were sitting in the room. And we got a chance to to chat. And he started talking about life and um, his faith. And I um, get a message from his mom the other day and says, Luke wants to talk to you about being baptized. I said, awesome. Well, I said, why do you want to get baptized? And Anytime you ask a question, I put him on the spot. But basically, his answer came down to this. I've been hearing God's word my, my entire life. But in the last several years, I started to really believe in what Jesus has done for me. And now I have I've seen a change in my life, new birth. And I'm, I'm walking in it now. And I desire God now, and, which I didn't before. And I desire to know and read my Bible and pray. And I didn't have that before. He's given evidence of a new birth, the fact that he has come and trust, trusted Christ. Now, did I get your story right? He said yes if you didn't hear him, okay? Would you, Before this whole congregation, is it your desire to let them know you're following Jesus through this profession of faith and baptism? He said yes. So we're going to get you in quick and baptize him. Come on. It's cold. <laughs> uh, sit turn that, turn around this way, my man. Yeah, there you go. Do it quick. Wait, just one more. Sorry. Just turn. Okay. Upon your profession of faith, Luke, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Help you out. Give your hand. Be worse. Wow, you're staying in there longer than I expected. There you go fantastic. We're so thankful that you're here to worship with us. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. God, help us to be thankful. Help us to be the one and not the nine. Let us be those who give thanks to God and and not let familiarity breed unthankfulness in our lives. Would you bless this group of people as they walk in grace? And Lord, we're thankful for Luke's profession of faith. And we pray you keep him from pneumonia, from that terrible cold water. But we're thankful for what it means. Lord, we are just thankful for one another, thankful for your truth, and we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. God bless you.